Hi, I'm McCarty Hudson, environmental science student at Research Triangle High School, and you're listening to Apes Versus, the podcast where we uncover the truth behind what's happening in our environment. Today, we are going to look at birds, and specifically birds that crash into windows. It's something that most people have encountered at least once before in their lives, yet after hearing the alarming thunk of feathers and bones hitting the window pane, and possibly going out to investigate or rescue the little fellow, most of us just keep on going with our lives, thinking of it as a rare occurrence. And that's exactly what I did. This experience happened to me as a little kid when I was at my grandparents' house for Thanksgiving and thunk, the bird crashed. I went outside to see if it was okay, it wasn't, and then came back inside while crying into my hands about the dead bird. Yeah, I was that kind of a kid. My mom comforted me for a while, and eventually I went back to playing soccer with my cousins. It was a traumatic experience, but I never did anything about it. Luckily, not everybody just goes back to playing soccer. Researchers and scientists have investigated this topic intensely, and they've found some pretty incredible stuff. But hold on a second, why does this matter? Well, a friend of mine, Vanessa Merritt, has been fascinated by this ever since she got her hands on a library book about birdwatching as a 13-year-old. Now, as a student at North Carolina State University, with a double major in fisheries, wildlife, and conservation biology, as well as international studies, she has taken this interest to the next level. But before getting into her story, I called her up to see why she has dedicated so much time to this. So Vanessa, why does this matter? Why should people care about birds colliding with windows? You might think that like birds hitting windows is like kind of a a weird thing to focus on um, on campus, but window kills actually result in the death of over 1 billion birds a year in North America. So it's actually the second leading cause of death of North American birds, the first being feral or like outside cats. So yeah, it's actually a really big problem, especially in, in cities. So these rare occurrences that practically everyone has experienced all add up, meaning that these collisions really aren't so rare. I mean, one billion birds every year? That's a lot. And since this is such a big problem, like Vanessa said, we need to figure out why this happens. In a study done by W. Calvin Borden and his research team at Cleveland State University in 2010, students surveyed the number of bird deaths every week for 12 consecutive months in areas around certain campus buildings. After collecting the dead birds, determining their species, and recording the data, they found that there was a direct relationship between the glass area on a building and the number of bird deaths. So the more glass coverage on a building, the higher the bird mortality rate. Now, why does this happen? Well, it's just like how people run into glass doors. It's because the birds don't see that it's a window. Instead, they either see vegetation on the other side, or, much more commonly, vegetation reflected in the glass. 
study done by Natalia Ocampo Penuela and her research team at Duke University in 2016 investigated this and found that the percentage of forestry in, around the buildings actually has quite a large impact on the number of birds that hit the windows. But while they found this to be true, they also recognized that the percentage of glass on the buildings had more to do with it than the surrounding vegetation, further backing up their results of the Cleveland State University study. But it's not just vegetation that impacts these collisions. Interior light could also improve the likelihood of birds running into the windows. While this might seem contradictory at first, since the light would stand out and make the birds know that it is a window, in actuality, Caitlin Parkins and her research team in New York found that the light can instead draw the birds in. While their study did find more bird carcasses at buildings with more light emitted, they did realize, just as the Duke study did, that the amount of glass on the buildings was likely the better indicator of how many bird collisions there would be. Furthermore, it is clear as a window that the windows themselves are what's really causing these bird collisions. And you might be thinking, well, these are just two studies and they might not be that accurate, and that's exactly what I was thinking. This study did have an interesting side experiment that gave me some hope. Parkins and her team put out dead birds with trackers on them and left the birds on the sites that they had been collecting data in for 12 hours. Then they went around and attempted to find them again. But here's where it gets interesting. They only found 37% of the birds. That means that all of these studies are super conservative and the numbers of birds that actually collide with the windows is likely much higher. And why does this happen? Why aren't all of the collisions reported? Well, there are tons of reasons. It could be that cats eat them, people dispose of them, the birds get injured and wobble a good distance away before dying, or pedestrians stomp on them too much and they become unrecognizable. So this data means that these studies are lowballs, and therefore no exaggerations are being made. But still, while these studies seem really sound and convincing, I wanted to hear firsthand what these investigations looked like to see if these results were really accurate. So I asked Vanessa Merritt when I talked with her. She and her sister, Olivia, conducted a similar study to both the Duke University study and the Cleveland State University study. So let's see what her investigation at NC State can teach us. Vanessa, I saw that you and Olivia did a study at NC State in 2017 and 2018, where you surveyed bird mortality at nine different buildings on campus for 30 days. That seems like a lot to do. How did you manage to do that? We organized student volunteers to survey some buildings on main campus. I think it was about like seven or eight buildings on main campus. We emailed different student organizations and got volunteers to survey those buildings on main campus. And it was really great because the grounds maintenance employees had agreed to survey the buildings that we chose on Centennial Campus, which is a bit 
far because we lived on main campus. It's 1.2 miles away, so a 24-minute walk. So that's how we were able to, like, survey all those buildings. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. And what do you mean by survey? You just walk around the building twice and see if you find any injured or dead birds that hit the windows of the buildings. And then you collect those birds and me and Olivia would take them to the Museum of Natural Sciences to be preserved as research specimens. Your study was conducted in the spring and the fall, as those are the primary migratory seasons. Many researchers do this because migratory birds, such as hummingbirds, brown creepers, and most sparrows, are much more likely to hit windows than residential birds, such as doves and pigeons. The reasons for this are that migratory birds are, one, less familiar with the landscape than residential birds, and two, they usually fly at higher speeds and longer distances, thus making them more likely to impact windows. In the study at Cleveland State University, they found that 90% of the birds they examined during their study were migratory birds. And although they found that migratory birds were much more prevalent in collisions, they did not discuss any variations in the number of collisions in the spring versus the fall. Did you notice any differences in the seasons? The numbers for spring migration are half or less than the numbers that we find in fall. And the reason for that is a lot of young birds end up dying in the winter. So there are actually less birds migrating in the spring. The, the differences were crazy. You might have had like 20 birds injured or hurt or killed in the fall and then like five in the spring. Wow, that's really crazy. I never realized how much of a difference the seasons made. Okay, going back to your investigation, what was the purpose of your study? Basically, we wanted to see which buildings on campus were the most harmful for the birds. That's really the point of all of this. Birds are dying by the millions every year from hitting windows. And while this is bad for birds, it's also bad for other species, including us. Birds are a vital part of the ecosystem. They help control pests, distribute seeds, pollinate flowers, and even reduce the risk of disease, which is quite interesting considering our current COVID situation. But it's not viruses like COVID-19 that birds can stop. It's vector-borne diseases. Take malaria, for example. It's a disease that mosquitoes carry, and since birds eat mosquitoes, they can prevent the disease from spreading just by eating away at insects. And birds also help control pests in the same manner. They eat the pests. In 2010, Matthew Johnson, professor at Humboldt State University in California, and his research team conducted a study in Jamaica to find out if birds really do control pests. The study was done at a coffee farm with both shaded areas and sunny areas. Johnson used nets to make certain areas of the coffee crop have no birds present. Then he and his team surveyed the crops to determine how many insects were on each crop 
while also taking note of the birds present throughout the study. What they found lines up with numerous other investigations. The crops with no birds present had many more insects or pests. They even calculated that the birds saved those farmers $310 during that growing season. That's pretty incredible. Birds can reduce the amount of pests, in turn helping you generate more money. And that's not all. Birds also help disperse seeds. There are a lot of birds that have evolved along with plants to be the sole or one of the main distributors of that plant's seeds. A good example of this is euphonias in the tropics. So, so you know mistletoe in mm-hmm. the U.S.? Yeah. So mistletoe is an invasive species. Um, but in the tropics, it's native. And it has been evolved with euphonias. Once it passes through the euphonia's digestive system um, and they poop it out, those mm-hmm. seeds are like perfectly ready mistletoe seeds to like keep oh. spreading. And that helps keep the understory of the rainforest shady. This cycle, where birds help to disperse the seeds by eating the mistletoe and then pooping out the seeds for more mistletoe to grow in order to keep the rainforest shady, is a perfect example of an ecosystem service. And lastly, the more commonly known service that birds provide is by pollinating flowers. In Sandra Anderson's study done in New Zealand in 2011, After isolating areas of flowers by making it so that birds could not get to them, Anderson and her team at the School of Biological Sciences found that 69% of the mainland fruits were not set due to inadequate pollination. This is a huge percentage, and that means that bird pollination makes quite a difference in the ecosystem, even resulting in a loss for people as we rely on the fruits as food. So, as birds can help reduce the risk of disease and control pests by eating insects, they can also disperse seeds by pooping them out, and they pollinate flowers to add to their many vital qualities. And since birds do all of these important services for our ecosystem, we really need to focus on conserving them. The most obvious way of helping out our feathered friends is by addressing the issue that this whole episode revolves around, bird collisions with windows. But how do we do this? When we found out that the student health building on campus was one of the worst buildings that we found during our surveys, we were able to get a grant from NC State from the Sustainability Fund to apply a window film on the most problematic windows of that building. This film that Vanessa used, a UV pattern film, was specifically for commercial buildings. But there are many different types of bird deterrent films, both for commercial and residential buildings. For instance, another commercial film is feather-friendly film. After completing the study at Duke University, Natalia Ocampo-Penuela and her team applied this film to the windows of the buildings with the highest number of bird collisions on Duke's campus. 
As for residential bird deterrents, you can just have things around windows, like curtains. But do these films really work? And we've continued to survey the student health building, and there haven't been any strikes like on the windows that we applied the film to. That means that there have been two years since they applied the film in 2018, and no birds have hit the buildings that Vanessa and Olivia know of. This is super encouraging, and while Ocampo Penuela did not include information regarding the effectiveness of the film applied to windows at Duke, other studies have dug into this subject and found some mixed results. For instance, in one experiment by Daniel Clem in 2009, he found that only horizontal UV-absorbing strips that were 2.5 centimeters thick and placed 5 centimeters apart from one another worked and also ceramic frit dots also worked. This was despite the extensive experiments he conducted in which he had birds fly into a small structure with two windows, one which was clear and one which had the bird deterrent film on it. He then observed which window they flew to and only these two films had valid evidence of working. But even as these films have improved by now, there is still uncertainty regarding the effectiveness of the films as the UV strips portray blue and purple colors, which can sometimes even attract birds. Regardless of the disputes regarding certain films, Vanessa explained that there is a much more effective way to deter birds, and one that is not controversial at all installing bird deterrent windows in the first place. This is truly what all commercial buildings should be doing, but if it's not possible, as most architects do not include this, the films are also an adequate solution. So despite some possible implications with bird deterrent films, they have shown great improvement and as in Vanessa's case, they have shown some impressive results. But there are lots of options, and this is an issue that can be mitigated. We just need to spread awareness about bird collisions. We went through a lot today, from the nuts and bolts of bird collisions to the impact this can have on the environment at large, and even ways to reduce the impact window collisions have on bird populations. So are bird collisions worth mitigating? Are they really that important? Yes. Even if you've only experienced it once, like me, you should be aware of the enormity of this issue. And instead of crying for a bit and then going back to playing soccer, put some films on your windows. This podcast was created by McCarty Hudson, that's me, and produced by Jesse Howington, my environmental science teacher. Thanks for listening and tune in for more Apes Verses in the future. Also, a big thanks to Vanessa Merritt for giving us so much insight into this topic. Lastly, all citations are in the description, 10 of them to be exact. And remember, I am a high school student and while this research is quite thorough, I am playing the role of a researcher. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you in the next podcast. Mm -hmm.